This is a very special episode of the podcast. I actually have a current Wizards of the Coast employee, Matt Tayback. We talked for a long time, so I've actually broken up the episode into two parts. This week is part one, lasts about an hour, and the next week will be the continuation of the conversation, which is another hour. You get two whole hours of Matt Tayback talk. Let's listen to part one. Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, I usually have like a really pithy intro before I get to my guests, but I just can't wait. This week, we've got Matt Tayback on the podcast. Hey, VM Campos. How's it going? Pretty good. Having a good day so far. Uh, just, you know, plugging away at playing some uh, some Magic uh, arena because I can't really go outside and play with real people yet. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Mm-hmm. What about yourself? How are you doing so far today? I'm doing well. Uh, just I'm at home also uh, working, so I'm good. I'm you know same same plan as every day the last few months. Just kind of sitting in my home office uh, working, and uh, happy to take a break here and talk to you for a little while. Hmm. Well, as customary, I usually give uh, the guest a moment to self-promote. Would you like to promote any Twitter, social media, streaming platforms, or anything you'd like? Okay, what I'd really like to promote more than anything is this game called Magic. It's awesome. It's fantastic. I don't know if your listeners have played it before, but it's super fun. And especially Magic Arena <laughs> uh, in, a, in a kind of a changed world where you can't go outside much anymore. Arena brings all the awesomeness of magic into your living room. I think it's a great game, and the company that makes it pays me. We'd really like it if you just bought lots of magic cards. Just mm-hmm. whatever you can afford, whatever you want, just buy more magic. Good. This is why I'm not in marketing. But- I think my audience will uh, will possibly be interested in this game that you speak of, so I appreciate the promotion on that. Seriously. My rent relies on this, so <laughs> you really buy more magic. That's awesome. I'm just like chill, 100% chill. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, you can do so. I am at Watsy underscore Matt, W-O-T-C underscore M-A-T-T. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to chat about magic, answer questions about uh, the rules, how things work, answer questions about wizards as best I can. Perfect. Thank you for that. So I've been having people on the uh, podcast. Uh, now that we're all um, in stay-at-home orders usually, and we just can't really go out, and, you know, it's it's kind of tough sometimes. We want to gather with Magic the Gathering. Is there any sort of positive words you'd like to give, or like a self-care regimen, or just anything about uh, the state of the world that you'd like to uh, get off your chest or anything? I mean, clearly the, the people who made the game... Thought the gather. Oh, that was. If you heard that, that was my cat. Uh, the people who made the game clearly thought the gathering part was important because they put it in the name of the game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it can be a little rough uh, over the past few months. Obviously, everything's changed. The nature of our hobby has changed. The nature of kind of gaming in general has changed. We we love the face to face aspect of it, and that's not super possible right now. So. Mm-hmm. Just, um, you know, I'm glad Arena's around. Uh, there are definitely lots of games online people uh, can and will be playing. Mm-hmm. So I would say just keep having fun. Fun's super important. It gets you through these days, these weeks, these months. Uh, we're almost here at the end of March, I believe. 
No, wait, it's July. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we're almost, it feels like March though. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just uh, keep, keep having fun. There's a lot of reasons, uh, a lot of serious stuff going on in the world right now, but time for enjoyment is uh, very important. So keep that in mind. I completely agree. Um, whatever way people can get through their day, if they're able to have a little bit of fun, if they're able to uh, just uh, you know go on in any way, any way that they can, magic is there for everyone. So before we get to the main questions of the usual podcast, can you just tell uh, people um, what, your, what your job title is a little bit about your position over at Watsi? Yeah, so right now I am a senior editor. What the editing team does is we're essentially shepherds. We take magic products from their inception and kind of guide them and make sure that the cards that designers design uh, read well and work within the rules. And mm-hmm. we take care of creative text, names of the cards. Uh, that is to say we edit them. We don't actually write any of the flavor text or names, but we take the uh, mm-hmm. contributions of our wonderful writing team and the people, the external people outside of Wizards that contribute there and kind of mold it into the most perfect version of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that magic cards are as big as possible. Um, we do a lot of internal kind of like production uh, work, also helping out with the typesetting, uh, working in tandem with our digital artists and our technical artists to put magic cards together, and also things like packaging and the comp rules and release notes and mechanics articles. So we're, we're kind of involved in most points of the magic production process mm-hmm. uh, are the, it's fun. Mm-hmm. You forgot one thing. Uh, you also do those amazing mechanics videos that uh, come out when the sets release as well. Yeah, those started back when I was the rules manager. Um, at least standard legal release that comes out has, you know, two to five new keywords or new mechanics. So Mm -hmm. we wrote an article that kind of introduces them. And it's not really like the comp rules. It's not like the update bulletin. It's Mm -hmm. a little lighter. Um, It's supposed to just be like, get people excited about the mechanics that are coming in the new set. Um, Those appear during preview week. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Forsyth, who is uh, our leader, I forgot his exact title. He's a (laughs) vice president of some kind or director of some kind. Mm -hmm. He's big. Um, he's awesome. He's been playing Magic forever, former pro player. Yeah. Um, Aaron's awesome. Uh, was like, we should make short videos that kind of highlight these mechanics uh, to go along with the article. Because not everyone wants to read a 1,200-word article. I mean, I barely like writing a 1,200-word <laughs> article. So we were kind of inspired, uh, of all things, by the Minecraft wiki. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Minecraft or have seen their wiki, but they have like every item in the game has like a re- super short video of like, no. this is a bed. Here's how to make a bed. Here's what a bed does. Video over. Here's hmm. a chair. Here's how to make a chair. This is what a chair does. Video over. So they're real short. Um, we couldn't go as short as those, unfortunately. We're a little more a uh, little more complex. Takes a little bit more time to explain what's going on. Hmm. Uh, but inspired by that, we put together each mechanic has a video and I write them and record them along with uh, several partners inside uh, the office. And yeah, we put those out in conjunction with the article. They're also up on YouTube. 
And it just gives you uh, sometimes a, a fun little look. Sometimes I do it in a character, like for the Ravnica ones, I kind of adopted different voices mm -hmm. for each of the guilds. That's what I was going to point out, that I really liked the Demir one. I, I like playing Demir myself, uh, and uh, it, it really spoke to me. You know, it was fun to kind of like come up with a little character, and I'm not a professional uh, vocal artist by any means, but, you know, it was, it was super fun to just kind of come up with these characters and take on a different tone and a different voice for each guild that I thought felt thematically appropriate. And people seem to like them. So mm -hmm. uh, if we're returned to Ravnica, and I can't imagine us returning to Ravnica, that's not something we do. <laughs> if we ever do, uh, I may bring that back. Most of the uh, new sets, like in New Worlds, um, Eldraine, it, were a little more like appropriate to the world, but not so much in character. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, I, I liked that one from, I guess it was Guilds of Ravnica. Uh, that's where we got Surveil for the first time, right? When we went to, when we, when we had our latest return to Ravnica. So I really liked those and I hope those keep going. Uh, they've been enjoyable. And uh, thank you for, for working on those to give you like a snippet, not, not like a hardcore rule of it, but it's like it tells you about the new mechanic and it's a, and it's a nice digestible bit. Yeah, the purpose of those is really, it's not to dive too deep, like we're not exploring every corner case, I'm not mm -hmm. explaining every action, but it's just sort of give you a taste of, of the basic level of each keyword. Mm -hmm. Here's what it does. Mm -hmm. All right, well, thanks for that. I hope those uh, those videos keep coming. I, I think they've been very, uh, very interesting. And uh, when you get those recorded, or when you used to do them, did you go to like an actual like sound booth or whatever on the Watsi campus, or how did you get those recorded? Yeah, we actually have um, a recording studio inside the office. Mm -hmm. um, as I recall, I haven't been to the office in months. Mm -hmm. I assume it's there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a recording. They built a, a recording studio. Um, they do a lot of like the weekly MTG shows that uh, Blake and Blake Rasmussen and Steve mm -hmm. Sanu do are from inside there. there. There's a couple different sized ones, and there's one that's basically for like podcasting or, or audio recording. Mm hmm. Well, cool. If people want like your full backstory, would you say that uh, Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work episode is the best one to listen to? Oh, my full backstory? Sure, I can tell you that. Um, so the year was 1976, January, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, my parents, uh, I wasn't born yet. I'm telling you my entire backstory. Mm -hmm. from... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I did do Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work podcast. Um, I could briefly go over it here. It's not incredibly interesting, but... Well, if it ends up in you working at the best company in the world, then I think it's a little interesting. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I do like talking about myself. So, uh, Yeah, so I started playing Magic in 1994. Um like I was in college as it happened, like just got picked it up from friends. Yeah. Um, buddy of mine was just like, Hey, there's this awesome new game out. And, and actually it's funny because here's a, a part of the story that I didn't remember at the time <laughs> when I told it on Mark's podcast, I actually bought a, I, I believe it was an unlimited starter <laughs> at a gamekeeper in California. Like I lived in Vegas. I was on a trip and I really didn't know what it was. The The gamekeeper employee kind of sold me on it. And the part of the puzzle I didn't really put together. So I bought this starter and the cards were really cool. I'm reading them, I'm reading the rule book, trying to figure it out. And the, the kind of the 
piece of the puzzle I didn't put together at the time was I didn't have anyone to play with. <laughs> no one I knew had heard of this game. My brothers were not interested in this game. So I had these cards. I had no one to play with. That starter deck just kind of ended up in a closet somewhere, and I forgot about it for, like, months. Mm-hmm. And then months later, uh, my friend of mine was like, yeah, we're playing this game. You should check it out. And it was magic. And I was like, oh, I have some of these cards. And I retrieved that deck out of the closet. There was nothing good in it. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I have some of these cards, but I never really learned to play. So they, they kind of taught me what was what. Started playing, started hanging out at game stores rather than going to class. Uh, <laughs> then started out at game stores uh, almost exclusively. Uh, started judging. Uh, tournaments became a thing, and no one in my store really knew how to run a tournament or be an official of any kind. And I've always been sort of drawn toward like officiating. Uh, in college, I was. Uh, a baseball umpire mm-hmm. and a basketball referee. This was like my job in college was I would do high school games mm-hmm. um, and junior high school games and actually did little league, like T-ball. It was really fun. Kids are super cute. <laughs> and so like, I've sort of always been just sort of naturally drawn toward that. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I'll learn how to run a tournament. And I learned the rules pretty well. And I started running tournaments and then I became an actually official judge Mm-hmm. And started traveling around the West Coast to do like GPs. Um, I did all like the Pro Tour qualifiers. I was the head judge of all of those in Vegas for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of built up the Vegas judge community a little bit uh, mm-hmm. in my time. So eventually became you know kind of you know reasonably well known judge. I at least in the U.S. I showed up at like nationals and. Uh, Grand Prix and things like that. And I would do pro tours. So I was, uh, I got on the radar of a company in Seattle that was putting together a new trading card game Mm -hmm. and they needed someone to help them out with rules and kind of building their judge program. So they hired me and I moved from Vegas to Seattle. Now I know that time has no meaning like it used to, but do you remember approximately what year that was? Uh, that was, yes, we jumped forward over a decade. Uh, to seattle in 06 uh and i remember i was uh so i was at home with my then girlfriend now wife same person mm-hmm. uh we were packing and we were moving in three days and i've lived in las vegas uh so this was 06 so i was 30 mm-hmm. to give you an idea i've lived in las vegas since i was four mm-hmm. i really had never known any other city but we're getting ready to make the big move up to Seattle and it's a Monday night. And I remember it's a Monday night because Monday night football was on Mm -hmm. and packing and Monday night football that day was the Seahawks, Mm -hmm. the hated Seahawks (laughs) them at the time. I didn't care about them. They were facing off against my beloved green Bay pack. Mm -hmm. As I'm watching this football game, I'm sort of not really paying attention to it because we're busy packing. Notice that the game is happening in what would best be described as a blizzard. Mm. There's just snow. Everywhere. I assume we're playing in Green Bay. Yeah. This is Seattle. Mm. City I'm moving to in like four days. I'm like, and I'm from Vegas. Yeah. Snow, what is that? That's something you see on television. Mm. Well, I grew up in San Diego, so I would feel the exact same way. Oh, San Diego. It's mm. the nicest weather ever. 
Awesome. I move out to uh, Seattle and I go to work for this other company who shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their game gets off to a pretty good start, but kind of fizzles like many new games in that market did. And that company went out of business within six, seven months. Mm-hmm. So I'm up in Seattle. I don't have a job. I've got, you know, we found a house to a little house that we rented uh, kind of in a new city, unemployed, not happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I need to find a job. Let's look, let's look at wizards. I knew lots of people at wizards, uh, lots of their employees just from having worked pro tours and GPs and being so involved in magic. Um, so I knew a lot of people in their, what was then called organized play department. Um, so I kind of hit them up and I was like, you know, what, what do you think I should do? And they're like, well, there's this, you know, just apply for things. And I applied for a customer service position in their game support team <laughs> and got the job, uh, which was kind of fun. The story I told uh, on Mark's podcast was like, I walked into the interview <laughs> and they started asking me questions about magic and how it worked. And I was pretty sure I knew more about magic than anyone mm-hmm. else in the room at the time. So I was able to prove that I was uh, capable of answering player questions about magic. Now, to to my knowledge, there are there five levels of magic judgeitude, or like how how far does it go? Yeah, there are five levels of magic. Uh, so at the time, there were five levels of magic. The judge program is kind of its own entity now and operates yeah. under a different. At the time, there were five levels, and the five levels didn't necessarily correspond to ability or knowledge. They oh. more corresponded to responsibility. Oh, okay. So your level ones were kind of your store level. Judging things like FNM, you know, weekly tournaments, low-level things. They were, you know, you had to take a test to do it. So you had to be proficient in the rules, and you had to know kind of how a tournament operates. Level two was kind of a step up from that. At level two, you're you're kind of taking on a mentor-like role to the level ones underneath you in your mm-hmm. area. You're still mostly locally focused. Mm-hmm. Um, level three is really where you started kind of extending out of your location so level threes were responsible for training uh judges under them in the program uh you started seeing them like they they were the main bulk of like grand prix judges pro tour judges like you had to be level three to work the the main event of a pro tour Mm -hmm. um and i'm going to use all these tournament titles from like a billion years ago because so many (laughs) things have changed now what is the level where you are able to explain banding in one sentence? Oh, that's so that is uh, kind of like the original Super Mario Brothers. That is the mythical level negative one judge. <laughs> you actually like world negative one. You go backwards and are able to explain intricate rules interactions involving banding, yes. phasing, mm. uh, and at the time, illusionary math. Uh-huh. Well, I played first in the 90s, and I remember banding, so I played between 95 and 99, uh, so fourth edition and Ice Age is like my nostalgia point of magic, and I remember, I remember Pikemen, those those used to band, right, I think, and uh, I guess like Timberwolves, did that one band? But I remember banding back in the day, and it was so cool, and when I got back into magic in 2017, all of these youngsters that had never played with banding, I was totally wrecking them with like my Fallen Empires decks full of banding where I can combine them together, and uh, they didn't know what was going on. Uh, part of the problem and part of the danger in being seen at, like uh, at the store level, the, the friends I hung out with, they knew that I was kind of a rules authority. <laughs> they didn't know 
something did, they'd ask me, I'd explain it, and they would accept my answer. Mm -hmm. uh, the danger here is when I got it hilariously wrong. Uh -huh. Perhaps the most notable example of this in my mind was back in Mirage Visions era. So this is like, what, 96? Yeah. Uh, I built a deck around the Visions card Wicked Reward. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give everyone a second to bring that up on the search engine of their choice. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you look at the Visions printing of Wicked Reward, it says, it looks like what is now called an activated ability. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice a creature, colon, target creature gets plus four, plus two until end of turn. I had interpreted this as you play this card, and then until end of turn, because that makes sense, you just have this ability that you can just do at any time. Mm -hmm. I built this deck filled with like kobolds and every cheap creature I could possibly think of and ornithopters, and the combo was to play Wicked Reward and then just sack everything I could to make one large unbeatable creature. Hmm. Which is a hilarious premise to begin with. It's it's so what we would call today fragile. Uh, but the fact is, the card just didn't do that. That's not what that card did. It was a one-time thing, sack a creature, give one creature a, a plus four, plus two boost. But I had convinced everyone in the store that, <laughs> man, I found this combo, and no one's talking about it, and it's really good, and I can beat you on turn three or whatever. And it was just <laughs> hilariously bad. But it was coming from you, and it, so it had to be true, right? I said it. I was convinced. I looked in the rules. Like, this is just how cards work. Yeah. You mentioned the card name, and, and I couldn't quite place it. But then when I looked it up here, I'm like, I remember this card. I remember this art. Uh, Alexander Gregory here. I think this character appeared in a few Mirage and Visions uh, cards throughout the art at that time, if I recall. I don't... Uh, now, admittedly, despite being an editor, uh, art is kind of my weak point. <laughs> Looking at Wicked Reward, I'm not positive that's how you should use a sword. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, and I don't know what's going on. And is that... That's Karavik, right? Uh, well, it's quoted by Karavik, but I, I think I've seen Looks this... Like I mean, if you look at, like, Karavik the Merciless... Yeah, oh, okay. Fight Probably the same person. I don't know. Well, nowadays when we have the new printing of Karavik in uh, M21, now someone's got to use this card and any old Karavik cards in a new deck. I mean, if if I'm not one to build a lot of decks based on flavor, um, <laughs> I, I love that there are people that do this. I applaud them and encourage them. It's just not quite my thing. Mm -hmm. But yes, do this. Uh, there's a great black red. I just searched for Kervik in the name, and there's a fantastic black red deck waiting for you. Mm -hmm. We just uncovered a brand new deck tech right here on the podcast. I want to look for flavor text. So the cool thing about magic is that, like right here, how we're just diving down the the rabbit hole about let's look up all instances of Kervik's flavor text. Let's look up all instances of. Uh, what might fit into a theme. And that's one of the things I love about magic, that it's this big puzzle of 20,000 cards. You can express yourself in the deck building if you want to be a really spiky about it, or if you want to be a Tammy about it and make a fun deck that way, or a, uh, or it's just, a, it's just an amazing puzzle of a, of a game. 
And one of Magic's big strengths as a game is that it's actually like 27 different games. <laughs> and choose which one you want to play. And several of those games aren't games at all. They're just games of expression. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I've uh, had a game with people where we all had one deck that we're drawing from. So that was kind of fun. Like, here's the one communal deck we're all drawing from there. And we're trying to beat each other with with that one deck. So yeah, I think that's uh, 28 different ways to play now. Yeah, we've. Uh, I remember the land game where everyone made uh, their deck was four of each basic land and each basic land had different powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that was big anywhere else. We played that in our store a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, as, as part of your, your, your job, uh, your job description and such working, I, I recall from your interview over at Mark's podcast, uh, how you said you basically kind of have to look at everything that is like the text of, uh, of the cards. So does that mean that you, uh, like you said, you're not big into the art of it, but does that mean though you, you look at everything else that uh, the customer looks at? Well, we're basically responsible for what the final card looks like. That's everything from the text on the card to the art and how it's placed. Are the frame details correct? Mm-hmm. Is the artist spelled correctly? Um, obviously, with the, with the, since Eldraine, since Throne of Eldraine, we've had this new kind of initiative that we called Booster Fun, mm-hmm. where there are significantly more kind of alternate versions of cards than we've used in the past. Mm-hmm. So that requires a lot of coordination. Uh, just beyond that, just uh, just anything we produce, the editors are kind of responsible for how does that look? And as I said, it's everything from is the rules text clear? Is the rules text correct? Is the flavor text exciting and fun to read? And does it tell good stories? And does it use the kind of language that we want it to use? And so we're sort of a kind of a, a waypoint that we kind of touch all areas of the cards and work with a lot of different teams to make that happen. Would you be the best person to ask, what does the brand new Phyrexian Swamp actually say in Jumpstart? The best person to ask would be uh, the current rules manager named Eli Schifrin. He's kind of our resident uh, Phyrexian expert. <laughs> I can't wait to crack some Jumpstart and uh, maybe get one or two of those uh those swamps, do you have any recollections? Uh, any Anything about uh, Jumpstart that you'd like to share? Jumpstart um, is mostly the brainchild of Doug Beyer, who's uh, a great game designer and uh, creative lead for Magic. Uh, the idea kind of started with, what if you could draft, sit down to a draft, and be playing in like five minutes? Mm-hmm. Like, what if we... Instead of drafting one card at a time, what if we drafted chunks of cards that you then could put together in a deck with very few decision points, uh, just very simple, fun, fast, approachable. Um, and I remember one of the, the earliest jumpstart uh, playtests, we quickly kind of found this is way more fun if you don't look at your cards. Hmm. Meaning beforehand, you just start drawing cards or... or, or yeah, so, I mean, basically how it worked was there were uh, packets of cards that were themed. And you'd have, like, uh, I want to say it was, like, maybe a 14-card packet. 
where you'd see the face card and the face card would tell you a little bit about the theme of the deck, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't necessarily see any of the other cards because they were just rubber banded together, you know, play test cards. Mm-hmm. So like if, if you opened a packet and saw like, okay, Shivan Dragon. Okay. This is telling me this is probably a dragon packet. Um, it could also, I guess, be a flying packet or something like that. So it's pretty strongly telling me this is all about dragons. Mm-hmm. And the packet have... Um, in that theme and also a certain number of basic lands so you wouldn't even have to worry about land count you literally mm-hmm. just draft three packets shuffle them together and play you know maybe your packets harmonized in a way maybe mm-hmm. i you know i picked the direct damage packet and i picked up the dragon packet which was also red based and maybe my deck was really good or maybe i got stuck with you know the life gain packet, which was white green, and also the card drawing packet, which was blue. And hmm. now my deck is like a million colors. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> but even those were fun because you didn't know, you just didn't really know what was waiting for you. So, like, every draw step was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Or less than pleasant as draw can. Well, it's all, it's all in the luck of the draw. If you, uh, if you mash together the right, the right cards, you could definitely mash together some fun or. Not as fun. So it was, a, it was a real chaotic kind of experience. And I mean that in a pleasant way. Yeah. It really gave you an idea of like kind of the breadth of what was available. There were so many themes uh, and, and like just so many different directions your deck could go. So those playtests were really fun. Now, the, the idea of the product kind of evolved into like what you see, today, like when you actually go, uh, at, you know, jumpstart. And I have not actually played with, interacted with, or touched the real Jumpstart product mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Normally, had I been in the office this whole time, and this by now, we would have gotten some and opened it and uh, played with it. Uh, working from home, we have not yet had the opportunity to do that. So I, too, am looking forward to actually getting some in my hands and playing it. Yeah. So you did, however, have your hands on it in terms of the PDF of it, uh, working on it in like the digital version of it, not the physical one. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, Jumpstart wasn't. Uh, I was not the lead on that. Mm-hmm. Looked at the files, and we kind of approve all the cards in PDF form before they get finalized and sent for printing. So usually, each product will have a lead editor, and they'll be ultimately responsible for everything. But they're backed up by other members of the team. Uh, we never let anything. Um, Nowadays, we never let anything go out without at least two editors looking at it. Um, hopefully, this catches most errors. We're still all human; things yeah. things lie, but we we have a fairly good track record of uh, catching everything. Mm-hmm. The jumpstart cards, especially like all the different basic lands, definitely took a look at those in PDF form. Exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not actually touched the physical cards yet. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. With Jumpstart is kind of a cool uh, transition for how it used to be. Like you, like I said, it was fourteen card packets, and you did three of them or something like that. Now it kind of morphed into the twenty card boosters, where you just pick two and go. Yeah. In your estimation, is this like a good uh, starting product for someone that's never played Magic? That uh, let's just mash some cards together and play. Yeah, I, and I think that's its real strength is. Uh, one, you get a could, like I said before, you get a pretty good view of like all things magic could be. Like, look at these different types of cards. If you have a new player and are like, if you were an experienced player and you're teaching someone to play, Jumpstart's a really good way to kind of 
ease them into it. Uh, it's especially good as kind of like a guided experience. Because really one of the hardest things about getting a new player hooked is like it's easy to show them cards and interactions and here's combat and look at the cards aren't they cool but man when they sit down to build their first deck deck yeah. building is a huge mountain to climb for mm. a lot of people mm. um this day like i'll tell you i'm not really into constructed deck building it's just not my thing mm -hmm. and i play constructed and i'll tell you it's not that often i'm a limited person mm -hmm. uh and i'm a limited person I'm a person in all ways. I'm not that limited. <laughs> limited the way I like limited. I come from a judging background, so I didn't really get into constructed magic that much. All of those constructed pro tour qualifiers that was around me, all the weekly FNMs, I was judging those, mm -hmm. not playing. Yeah. I like watching play and I love interacting with cards and I love, love, love drafting. Drafting is my format. One of the questions you're probably going to ask me in a little bit, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump start ahead is uh, what's my favorite deck? And I always tell people, my favorite deck is the one I just drafted. Mm -hmm. uh, next favorite deck is the one I'm going to draft next. Mm -hmm. uh, the is awesome. It's it's kind of pre-done for you. The, the boosters make sense. You can put a cohesive deck together very easily. You can kind of see what magic can do. Yeah, I love it for new players. I mean, that's it's named to imply that, right? It's a yeah. great jumpstart into... Learning about magic. So I'm an advisor to a card club at the local college, and um, I requested the, you know, one of those um, like uh, intro club starter things that Wizards sends out uh, to uh to get people um, started on all of it. So I think what we're going to do is maybe pool our our club funds to get some of these jumpstart. Uh, boosters, because I think this will be a way better way to try to get people into into the game, into the club when things start up again, when we're able to meet uh, in person and such. So I'm really looking forward to that because I want to get these cards for myself to complete my collection and whatever and make cool decks. But I think these will work really great for like brand new people to join the club. More people playing more magic is more good. Uh, bad grammar aside. So uh, when this... Uh... As we're recording this, the pre-release is in about two and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. Say it's like July seventeenth. Yeah, I'll look it up real quick. <laughs> uh, July seventeenth through the nineteenth, it looks like. Um, so if you're listening to this uh, before that date, uh, look forward to this. I'm, I'm hoping that stores um, can accommodate the kind of health reality that we lived in. So yeah. more than go play the game. Uh, first, be safe. Find a safe way to do it. So that's from your home, whether it's like setting up a webcam, pointing at your desk. Yeah. Uh, emphasize be safe first. But yes, if you have the opportunity to play these cards, we hope you have a lot of fun doing it. I can't wait to uh, be able to get my um, my cards. I've been supporting my local game store. They've they've opened up. I've just you know dr driven in and said, okay, put it in the trunk, and I'm gone. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I have not actually, short of doctor's appointments, I really yeah. have not left in, mm -hmm. since this started. So, um, so we're doing a lot of deliveries. And our lo the, the game store that's just up the street from us is doing the, you can't go inside, but you can like order online and pull up and they'll put it in your trunk, just like you said. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I picked up a couple board games from them, just trying to you know support local businesses because they're they're kind of getting hit hard. So yeah, and I hope a takeaway then for uh, people listening is. Yes, it's very easy to order online from some nameless uh, huge corporation, but it's going to help your community and yourself in the long term if you do support these local businesses, your local comic shop, your local game shop, any mom and pop shop that's out there trying to do what they love. They're in business because they they like games. They they like uh, video games and card games and all of that. So patronize your local businesses and they'll be there for you if you're there for them. I patronize people all the time. Wait, that's not- uh yes. No, local stores are great. I mean, that's, they are the kind of lifeblood of our whole hobby, right? This is where people go to play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's arena. Arena's awesome. Arena's open twenty four seven. But there's really nothing that replaces sitting down and and smashing the face of the person sitting right in front of you. <laughs> uh, figuratively. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Arena, um, one of the things that I ask people on the show is, uh, how long have they played Arena? Do you Did you get any inside intel when it was version like 0.001 or something? Yeah, so actually, um, an interesting story, I hope, is that I was actually one of the people to work on the game rules engine that was kind of the basis for Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew that uh, when Arena was in its early, early conception stages that we would need a more robust uh, game rules engine to drive everything. So as the rules manager at the time, uh, I was conscripted to kind of help out um, the development of of all that. Sort of my earliest uh, interaction arena. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did get to play it a handful of times. Early in development, like like most Wizards employees, we, we had some opportunities to play and offer feedback. And uh, I come from a fairly strong Magic Online background. I was pretty heavily involved in Magic Online. I was one of the adepts before I worked for Wizards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will pause so you can boo right now. <laughs> Let your listeners get that out of their system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I was one of the adepts and played a lot of Magic Online. Then acted in, in kind of a support role when I first worked for Wizards and their on their game support team. I was pretty heavily in, involved in Magic Online. So I uh, so I really liked you know uh, I was a big Magic Online player. Uh, version two five, the eighteen hundred room drafting with your avatars, uh, super fun. But when I saw Arena, man, Arena just blew me away. Right, because this was a polished version of Magic. This was a beautiful piece of of software, and it's only gotten better. Like the the team there has done and continues to do an amazing job. Um, just it's slick, it's super fun, it's fast. Uh, If you don't play Arena and you're listening to this, give it a shot. Mm -hmm. It's free. They dump a bunch of free stuff on you. You know to get you started uh you got decks yeah you you know we'd like you to buy more cards um as always i will spread the message of please buy our stuff um <laughs> mention my rent depends on uh <laughs> but even if you, you you don't want to spend money right away it's there's a ton of content you get it's super fun I uh, heard the first rumblings of Arena in uh, late 2017, I believe, and I requested the early access 
um, you know, beta entry to it in early January. And so a little bit of time passed and I got it. I got let in the door on in April 2018. So I've been playing Arena since then. And once in a while, I go back to my because I also stream it. Uh, every every Saturday, and I go back to those older streams, and I look at the interface. I notice how the interface has evolved, so it's kind of like a cool little historical document to see. Back a year or two ago, this is what Arena looked like, and here's how the sounds were slightly different, and here's how the interface looked, and yeah, it keeps evolving and improving, and then now with like real player drafts, now there's like no reason to leave the house anymore, is there? I mean, uh, in the current environment, of course, I don't recommend us for any reason. Um, yes, uh, there's... <laughs> uh, how should I say this? <laughs> Arena is, you know, that allows you to interact with magic, allows you to be a magic player wherever you want to be a magic player. Um, you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to visit a game store. Um, six months ago, I would have told you <laughs> definitely store, definitely go play with live humans. Um, maybe that's not the thing now. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, uh, I will. I will marketing for arena over and over and over again. <laughs> mm. Now, if uh, I don't think anyone has ever requested this feature, so if you could pass it on to the appropriate people, do you think you could put maybe a spectator mode in arena one day? Spectator mode. Now, uh, as a caveat, I am not on the arena team in their development. I have no idea. They're on a different floor. I see them sometimes at lunch. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're up to. I don't know their plans. I do know that spectator mode is a very popular request. Hmm. And I do know that popular requests are attractive for us. To mm -hmm. That's what I can tell you. I too would like to see a spectator mode. I'm not going to make that happen myself. I will pass it along. Great. So we can have the exclusive, um, we can have this podcast as an exclusive. Matt Tabak has guaranteed we are going to have spectator mode by the year 2021. Yes, 3D, uh, actually it's VR spectator mode. You're going <laughs> to appear on the battlefield yourself and be able to interact with cards using pressure-sensitive gloves. <laughs> it will mail you. Uh, no, I can promise nothing. <laughs> Even if I knew it was happening, which, uh, let me be clear, I don't. Mm. I know nothing. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Spectator mode is great. Especially, I one would imagine, if the current health crisis, the current situation persists for a very long time, Please, please wear masks. Mm -hmm. uh, one would imagine that Arena will be home to an increasing amount of tournament play. Mm -hmm. We can't gather safely right now for large events. Uh, I think you'll see Arena is a good venue for that kind of thing. It'd be cool if people could watch it. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll, we'll uh, hold off on that. I've been... Uh... 
I've been loving the the roadmaps that are given out, and when we were told, yes, we're we're going to have real people draft soon, and then we seem to have gotten it like a month or less later. So I'm very thankful for everyone working at all aspects of of magic and uh, getting getting things out to the public. Uh, and again, I could not possibly know less about what's going on. I am uh, virtually a random person on the street when it comes <laughs> to development. I can tell you, strategy of announcing features after they're done and then deploying them almost immediately, very attractive. <laughs> well, that's that's marketing 101. It's here. That's uh, isn't that what like um, Scotty from Star Trek's plan was that, you know, um, you give a long time horizon, but then you get it done really fast and then you're the miracle worker. That's just that's Captain Management. one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I might I might already know the answer to this, but uh, I always ask the guests for the first time. What do you consider your skill level to be beginner, intermediate, advanced or somewhere in the middle? Uh, for when I was actually before I worked for Wizards, I would put myself in the advanced category. Um, I was fortunate enough to compete at Pro Tours uh, on occasion. Uh, I, I think I was pretty good. I had a good solid grasp of uh, and how things worked and strategy and things like that. Uh, as my tenure at Wizards has gotten pretty long, I would now put myself on kind of the high end of intermediate. I think mm -hmm. um, I. My competitive edge has been dulled somewhat because I don't play competitively anymore. Mm -hmm. um, it, basically, I'll play mostly in play tests, uh, kind of just how it works out. Um, the The amount of magic I have played recreationally has decreased, mm -hmm. sadly. Um, just kind of that's how it works when it's your job. Mm -hmm. um, play a lot of magic Monday through Friday. You don't always want to play it on Saturday. Sometimes you do. Yeah. And, and, Arena gets a lot of that play for me. Um, so while I'm I'm an expert in rules and I'm an expert in interactions, uh, my sort of knowledge of strategy has kind of dulled over the years. So uh, I believe my like my technical skill level is very high. Like I know how magic cards work and how they interact with one another, and even in the most complex situations, I can probably work it out. Mm -hmm. uh, but my actual like strategic skill level is intermediate at best. Mm -hmm. Well, I like to have all skill levels of um, of players on the podcast, and it's really cool when we get a um, someone towards the advanced level because I like to then further ask, what advice would you give to people that are just starting off? This this is one of the most complex games, and haven't there been like a uh, uh, research papers uh, put out there that this might be the most complex game ever. So what would you say to new players that are just starting off with this? It's going to sound trite, but kind of my best advice is because magic is so big and there's so many ways to experience it, you can draft, you can play sealed deck, you can play commander, you can play standard or vintage or like there's so many ways to play. Find out really put some work into finding out what you like about the game. Like, what do you actually enjoy doing? And focus on that at the beginning. Because, like, the skill will come with repetition. And you'll pick up tricks and you'll pick up nuances. But 
none of it, it's all for naught if you're not enjoying yourself. So find what you really like about this game and also recognize if there are parts of the game you don't enjoy mm-hmm. as that, right? Like I don't like to deck building is not my thing. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. So I just don't do it. Mm-hmm. If I'm playing constructed, I'll just take somebody else's desk deck. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take somebody else's desk too. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't care. I'll just kick you out. Uh, <laughs> I may tweak the deck if there are specific cards I want to play or specific cards I don't want to play, but like identify what you like about the game and, and then just play it's repetition. It's putting yourself in situations. So you know how to act and react and kind of come to grips with what kind of player do you want to be? Do you want to be a tournament player? Do you want to be a commander expert? Do you want to be just cash? Mm -hmm. Do you not care? Do you just want to play with one specific person that's going to be how it is. Do you just want to play like dual decks, Jace versus Chandra until the end of time? <laughs> That's do that. Enjoy. And even beyond the gameplay, there is, do you like the art? Do you like to follow this particular artist? Do you like the lore of it all? Do you like the story? Did you get the latest ebook and such? So there's just so many ways to enjoy magic. And I hope it's not daunting for people that, yes, there's 26 years of magic and there's 20,000 cards and there's tournaments and everything, but there's a little bit of everything for everyone because as the uh, um, as the magic psychographics go right there's just so many ways to play magic aren't there like uh five or so of them that that are sort of out there in the ether about like types of magic players yeah and i don't think anyone really fits neatly into any of them like we have these ideas the psychographics for like types of players that are out there i think kind of like the color pie like we have you know the five colors and different aspects of your personality no one really fits neatly into any one color that, and I, I don't think anyone fits super neatly into any one yeah. psychographic. Mm-hmm. Definitely, like the dominant ones are definitely dominant, mm-hmm. dominant, Bunny, Jenny, or I, I lose track of how many names there are. It's like the Brady Bunch. There's like 12 <laughs> of them now. Um, and yeah, like magic is as big or as small as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. So before I ask the next question... I am going to send you a link here in the okay. Discord. I'm going to send you a link here, and um, you you uh, you've heard of um, the classic show. This is your life, right? Yes. So I'm going to send you this link right here. This is your magic life, according to Gamepedia. Oh according to Gamepedia. So if we take a quick look at that, how much of this is accurate, and how much is flipping wrong? Or incomplete. I think it's mostly incomplete, isn't it? It's incomplete. Everything on there looks right. Oh, I just want to say, like, the developing section is kind of everywhere where it says contributions. Yeah. That's just because I was rules manager at the time. Uh. I wasn't actually on the development team for any of those, and none of my actual uh, editing credits are on here. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Well, uh, let me log in right now and make some changes live on the podcast. I'll add here also that you worked on uh, you worked on beta and that you also uh, added the best cards of Fallen Empires. It's true. All two of them. <laughs> I just wanted to bring this up because uh, this is a wiki. This is a, uh, uh, you were mentioning earlier, the um, Minecraft wiki. And this is, uh, to my knowledge, the, the, the big magic wiki. 
And of course, a wiki is where people can contribute to it and add to it and make mistakes, but then improve things. Um, and I just wanted to pull this up here because what I like to ask during the, the show is I like to ask people about their favorite card and such. And I know that you kind of have a perhaps a different answer in terms of you've actually had your your hands on cards in different ways than the than the average person so based on the on the cards that you've edited and and i recall that uh, i think on mark's podcast you mentioned eldraine and ikoria were some of the most recent ones what are some cards from those sets that kind of stood out to you uh, in, uh that were interesting to you oh okay so Eldraine and Ikoria are the ones that are freshest in my mind. Yeah. Um, for Ikoria, I'm oh, sorry, start with Eldraine. Um, so Throne of Eldraine was a fantastic set to work on. It was super fun. Um, I loved the adventures. Uh, it was probably the set where I actually got to, uh, through my role of lead editor, actually contribute more card names to any single set than I had before. Like I'll name cards every once in a while. Oh. One of the more memorable cards from that set that sticks out is Flaxen Intruder. Mm. The Goldilocks story. Um, I did I did come up with the card name Welcome Home, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the, the twist on the classic Goldilocks tale where she is not really welcoming the bears so much as executing them. <laughs> and as a quick aside for you sports fans out there, as a Green Bay Packers, any card that depicts the killing of bears, I'm on board. <laughs> uh, Flax and Intruder was, was a great one that really um, stood out. Um, I, uh, other cards that kind of... Well, let, let me just say about Flax and Intruder, I uh, was lucky enough to be at uh, Mark's um, uh, panel at, at San Diego Comic-Con when Eldrain was was announced. I, I've been going to San Diego oh. Comic-Con uh for for a little while and uh i i like i said i played magic in the 90s but i stopped it for a long time until 2017 when i got back in with hour of devastation and i've been going to comic-con for years and i always knew magic was there and i knew magic existed and it was at comic-con but i just never paid too much attention when i got back into magic in 2017 um i i then got some free welcome decks there at Comic-Con and I didn't know that there was like a panel about it and a place to play and such. So it wasn't until Eldraine reveal that I actually went to Mark's um, panel and this was one of the ones that was first shown and it was really cool to be in a room full of people getting to see for the first time these cards and Flaxen Intruder was one of these and everyone just like cheered and clapped and was so intrigued at uh, at this card. So it's really cool to to talk to you to know that, hey, you contributed this uh, to now gives me a different sort of memory to when I was at that panel. Yeah, it was a really fun card to work on. I, I should, I need to give a shout out to Jenna Helland, who was the creative lead for Throne of Eldraine. Uh, she's fantastic to work with and did a, just a really great job on the set. It's There's so much flavor and all the little stories that got worked in. Mm-hmm. Um, the art is amazing. Uh, Cynthia Shepard, uh, art director, did a fantastic job. Um, yeah, there's a lot of cool cards in here. Uh, one, Another one that sticks out is the Royal Scions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had pitched years ago a kind of Planeswalker team-up card. Uh, and the one I designed was uh, Planeswalker Jace Chandra. Hmm. And I envisioned, you know, having them both in the art. And it's a blue-red card that does, you know, like plus one, a Jace-type ability, minus something, a Chandra-type ability. And then 
a kind of a blue red uh, ultimate ability. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that the idea of like more than one planeswalker character on a single card kind of came to fruition. And amusingly, it was um, the Royal Scions, which was fun. A kind of, I'm say, fun thing that happened, but one of the, the quirky little challenges to give you an idea of just the kind of thing we deal with was uh, when I was editing the Royal Scions, uh, for the type line, we put Will Rowan, mm -hmm. uh, which made sense. Like, blue-red is the traditional order for those two colors to come in, and if you look at the art, Will's on the left and mm. Rowan's on the right. And that's great. And then the art came in for the showcase version, the alternate art and Rowan's on the right and Will's on the left. It was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. I just, I just realized that I'm looking at both versions of the art. Uh, I usually just see the, the regular version, but yeah, that beautiful alternate art. I just realized, yeah, they're switched around. Fantastic art. And had I, this is a thing where it's possible in the concepting stage. I could have seen that and been like, hey, could we, you know, flip them? So it's consistently Will on left, Rowan on right. So it would just kind of flow better. You have the, the blue side of the card, like that frame. It's got that blue pin line, leads into the red pin line. Yeah. Um, I did not do this. Uh, I very, very rarely have reason to get involved in art concepting. I'm more just, you know, look at the cool new stuff when it shows up. Mm -hmm. uh, and this time it kind of bit me. So mm -hmm. we kept the type line as it was. It's a little backwards on the showcase card. And that, that's just a concession we made. Well, now that you mention it, I can't unsee it. I do actually see that you know, the blue on the left and the red on the white. But then Rowan's on, uh, on, on the left and Will is on the right in the showcase. Well, thanks. Now I won't be able to sleep tonight. Oh, well, that's uh, unfortunate. Um, so many cool cards in... Uh, of Eldraine, Ginger Brute, yeah. sprints to mind, runs <laughs> away really. Uh, this is a great design. I'm pretty sure it was Rosewater who did this one, and he told uh, in early meeting he told me about this card, and I was delighted. Mm -hmm. Where do you fall on the line where he's mentioned before about this? This is the line about how silly can a magic card get before it becomes a silver bordered set. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that line is mostly a rules text line. This is just my personal opinion. Like, mm -hmm. I believe that there are clear, there's a clear line between what is allowed in Silver Border as far as rules text goes and what is strictly Black Border. I think creatively, magic is allowed to stretch. And I think Ginger Brood is a, a good level of silly. I don't think it's the most silly we could be um opinions differ on this of course um i'm a big fan of offbeat card names mm -hmm. you can usually tell uh if i've had a hand in a card name because it's unusual like welcome home mm -hmm. uh most of these schemes from arch enemy I, I i wrote the names for a great number of them mm -hmm. uh they're unusual they're they're almost quotations I named the Royal Scions mm -hmm. that had been, you know, Will and Rowan comma something for a very long time. And it finally just occurred to me that this would just be cooler if we called them that that's sort of their collective names. Let's just use that as the card name. So I'm a huge fan of offbeat card names. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm a fan also of like the whole breadth of what magic could be. I, I like the the 
you know, the realistic tough stuff, but I also like the the fun stuff. There's just so many fun, cute cards, especially cats and dogs in Corset 21, um, that I'm I'm in it. I'm in it for every every aspect of what magic can be, and uh, I hope people are as well, because then they'll find something that they like if they want to get something that looks really, look at that demon, it looks so scary, and how it's biting this uh, this other character, and then look at this uh, little gingerbread man running out the door with the with the with the lady in the background saying, "Oh my!" You know, I love the whole breath of it all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you mentioned the cats and dogs in M twenty one. Of course, hounds are no more. Yes, uh, they're now dogs. And the awesome buy a box card, uh, Ren uh, Ren and Sari, mm-hmm. Ren and Stimp, Ren and Sari. <laughs> yes. That's uh, definitely a card that I've enjoyed playing with. Uh, I, I'm not like a really hardcore deck builder, but I like the challenge of, of Constructed. I, I, I forgot to say earlier that I also like Sealed and Constructed, a little bit of everything, and I like Brawl as well. I think Brawl is a great way to play uh, another g- game mode on Arena, and I've enjoyed uh, trying to craft a very on-theme Rin and Seri deck. So basically every creature is a cat or a dog. Yes, there's you know other amazing cards to put in there that might be stronger, but then they're not cats and they're not dogs. So I like that sort of deck restriction myself, that if I'm not trying to climb the ladder, I want to put together a fun deck that's very on-theme. My favorite, uh, I just want to look real quick on gatherer here i want to make sure that before i mention any card that it's known M- is m21 is completely out right yes there was the uh pre-release this past friday and then official shipping this friday oh i've totally lost track of time <laughs> it's, it's july already yeah you know that i i just barely knew it about uh, 12 hours ago that's the thing that's interesting to talking with someone on the inside that it's like, how much can I say? And I hope I don't say anything about the future. I frequently will have to go to Mark and be like, which code names do they know? Yeah. And especially it's really tough during preview season because some for some sets, preview season is like two or three weeks long. And so you start getting rules questions. Like I get rules questions on Twitter sometimes. And it's like, here's a card. Uh wait, has that been previewed? Like, I'll answer, like, they'll ask me a question, and I'll be like, here's how it works, but if you have this card, and they're like, wait, is that card out yet? I should look it up. <laughs> I don't know. Um, two of my favorite cards, uh, you can tell they're my favorites because it took me, like, ten minutes to look them up and remember what they do. Uh, <laughs> look at, speaking of the dog chain, if you look at Pack Leader, you look at Feline Sovereign. Mm-hmm. This is the best combo, and here's why. Not combo like a magic combo, but like a, the best pair of cards. The dog leader gives you other dogs you control plus one, plus one. The cat leader not only pumps them up, but you get protection from dogs. The mm-hmm. cat Cats are just strictly better. <laughs> As a cat person, I appreciate this. During the development of felines, I'm actually a dog person. Currently, <laughs> we have three cats and three kittens from the same litter mm-hmm. now they are no longer kittens and they're circling me mm-hmm. yes i commented during the development of feline sovereign i said this one giving pro dog lord not giving pro cats is poetry yeah this is a card that i think all aspects of it work amazingly because you get that aspect of uh, cats 
with their protection from dogs, but you also get to destroy an artifact or enchantment, and the art perfectly re uh, recounts that because there's a someone spilled goblet with a with a little proud cat on the on the table. A go-to cat move if ever there was one. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm only sorry that it's a that it's a rare, so I'll probably be I won't be able to crack as many as I would like at rare, but. Not with that attitude. <laughs> okay, let's be positive, and you send all, everyone should send their energy to me right now. That I'm going to crack uh, twelve feline sovereigns, and also in uh, is this one like a showcase? This one's not like in a showcase. Forget, right? forget sending energy. You should ask people to send you feline sovereign. <laughs> yeah, that's that's even better. That's uh, that's a much more direct method to be able to fill a note. A notebook with a feline sovereigns, uh, but make sure people people need to make sure that they send me the foil one because I would love to see the premium foil one with uh, like uh, beautiful green glowing eyes. All right, listeners, your task is uh, set. On sovereign, mm -hmm. a, uh, an extended art version of feline sovereign. Uh, for most, basically, they'll um, have what's called the showcase versions of a, a certain number of cards. But all the rares and mythics will have that sort of extended art version where the art goes all the way out to the sides. Oh, okay. I liked how it was the how it was called Booster Fun because I have definitely had fun opening these boosters and suddenly there's this interesting different version of it, either in uh, Eldraine where we had like the, the storybook style of art or in Ikoria where we had like that... Uh, cartoon art what was the official name of the Ikoria alternate art um really didn't have an official name mm -hmm. um you have what's basically called the showcase card mm -hmm. and what showcase means changes from set to set so like for throne of eldraine it was the adventures in that storybook style yeah uh for what was the set in between uh where'd we go theros theros beyond death uh, see, I know. I work on magic. I know what's going on. Uh, Theros BF had... Uh, it had gods, right? That wasn't my set, so I was, I was, I've got kind of a hole there. Yes. Yes, the gods were back. Yeah, it has the... It was like a starfield effect. Was that the Nyx? The, the Nyx? Or constellation gods. Um, where you saw them as sort of like constellation patterns. Yeah. Uh, in the Nyx frame. Yeah, apologies. I, sometimes if I don't work directly on a product, I lose track of what, what's happening with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so for the Coria, the showcase card for all the mutate mm -hmm. um, it's got a showcase treatment. So that changes, you know, from set to set, what that is specifically. Um, cards, rares and mythic rares that don't get that showcase treatment will show up in an extended art version where you get the art going out to the sides all the way to the edge of the card. Mm hmm. They've definitely added to my desire to uh, to crack more packs because uh, more cards with more styles and yeah, I mean that was the whole point of just people really like blinging out their decks. So let's give them some awesome versions to collect. And really, like one of the kind of founding principles of Booster Fun was, and it was Sam Stoddard who asked. Why are the coolest version of our cards, which were like promo cards, not available in boosters? Mm -hmm. That was a great question to ask. Like, why aren't they available in boosters? We should put awesome versions of cards available in boosters. Mm -hmm. And now we have different types of boosters for different types of players. And so it, it's just like playing Magic. You can 
acquire magic to suit your tastes. Mm -hmm. I've uh, gotten some of those Ikoria showcase cards that have just made me stop in my tracks because I have to admit that uh, the card Cub Warden on the regular... Uh, regular art. I'm not a big fan of the regular art, but I love the, the cat with the kind of weird horn thing. Yeah, mutate one that makes the the two kittens with life link. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the showcase card, uh, that one, uh, that alternate art. I love that one much more. So I like the card Cub Warden a lot. But the regular art where it's kind of like, yeah, the horns and spikes and makes a couple of kittens when it mutates, that regular art, you know, the, the artist is amazing. But I just, I, I like my cats a little cuter than this. And so the, the showcase version of it is the one that I, that I prefer. I like that one, how it's very like uh, stylized as a, uh, as a sort of a comic book or movie poster sort of thing. And I like that one a little bit better because you also see the little kittens in the back of the cave with their little eyes glowing and everything. Yeah, very, very adorable. Uh, the token, also very adorable. The, the showcase cards, uh, you know, like Cubwarden, they're a lot of fun to work on. It's it's challenging. There's a lot of intricate kind of frame design that goes on because, mm -hmm. like on Cubwarden specifically, the paw is breaking into the type line and the mane is kind of coming up into the name bar. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, precision and a lot of kind of care by our digital artists that look really good so working on that was a challenge uh, also along with the uh, godzilla cards mm -hmm. the Korea. That, that was a fun project so, which is your favorite uh, godzilla art favorite godzilla art is i'm gonna go with it's probably uh, uh probably dorat dorat the perfect pet yeah. Uh, the altered version of Sprite Dragon, Pat. That one was, I mean, it's the cutest. Yes. One's got a little fish, and one's flying upside down, and then one's coming right at you with its fangs bared. Probably my favorite one to work on. I think it, it, it really worked well for that card. Um, I was not a Godzilla expert by any means when we started this project, and... Uh, so finding the the creative team finding cards and then working with Toho to find you know which which characters will appear mm. was kind of a fun challenge. And so that was part one of my conversation with Matt Tayback. We still have a lot to talk about magic, so come back next week to listen to part two. This is Let's Enter the Arena, a magic podcast, and I'm VM Campos.